You're listening to the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast, where ambitious people master the art of returning to their roots. Have you found yourself disenchanted with society or wishing you could opt out of the rat race? Perhaps you're craving a life that's meaningful and tangible, a life where you can create and produce instead of merely consume. I'm Jill Winger, best-selling author and longtime homesteader. Over the last 10 years, I've helped thousands of families create more connection, grow amazing organic food, and find the ultimate fulfillment through an old-fashioned lifestyle. And I can do the same for you. Now, on to our episode. Welcome back. We are continuing on with our origins series. So in case you missed the last episode, we are switching to a seasonal format. So in the past, I've just done a bunch of random topics all strung together, but we're going to be shifting over to themes. And our first season's theme is a little different than what I've done in previous episodes. I'm going to get a little deep and a little personal, and I'm going to take you on the journey of my beginnings and the beginnings of our homestead and how I transformed over the years from this kind of weird, shy girl to who I am today. And the purpose of this is not just to talk about myself. That wouldn't be super interesting. But I also want to be able to pull out different pieces of this that you can take and ruminate on or apply to your life. So I'm excited. In this episode, we're going to talk about one of the most important things that happened to me as a teenager and how that shaped everything that was to come. So as I hit teenage years, I still was pretty awkward and shy, but something happened at the age of 14 that changed everything for me. And that was, I got my first horse. So if you remember from the first episode in this series, I told you that I was obsessed, literally, since the age of three with horses. It's all I could talk about. It's all I could think about. And miraculously, at the age of 14, that dream became a reality. And I have my grandfather to thank for that. He helped me purchase that first horse, which I just am forever grateful for. He knew how important it was to me. Um... And then the agreement was, is that he would help me purchase the horse. And then I had to work jobs. I was like 13 years old, knowing this was a possibility that I had to work jobs to pay for all of the horse expenses because any horse person knows buying the horse is the cheapest part. (laughs) It's all the other stuff that costs money. So at the age of 14, we found the horse. And let me tell you, he was a looker. He was 16 years old. He was an old pack horse. His name was Jake. And he was super ugly. (laughs) Bless his little heart. He had the most horrible sway back. And when I got him, his mane was roached off. And that just means they had cut his mane, like shaved it down to nothing. Poor Poor little guy. He was super homely, but he was quiet and he was gentle. And he was exactly what I needed. And honestly, kudos to my parents for letting me like letting me do this, letting this happen. Um, because that was, I look back now and I'm like, that was a stretch for them. Like we didn't live, we still didn't live in the country. We still lived in the same neighborhood and they, we had to find boarding for the horse a couple miles away. And 
all the coordination of everything. So I'm really grateful that they allowed that to happen. But Jake, that horse, that first horse was everything. He, he changed so much for me because most importantly, he just gave me an identity besides being the shy, weird girl. And I spent every waking minute with him and he just gave me a sense of belonging. You know, at that point, I didn't have a lot of girlfriends my age. The girls didn't really like me that much. I mean, I, I guess I can't really blame them. I was the little girl who never grew out of the horse thing, which by the time you turn 14, that's not cute anymore to your typical teenage girl crowd. That's just weird. So didn't fit in. I didn't like trendy clothes. I hated makeup. I didn't want to talk about boys or going to the mall. Like I just had nothing in common with them. So they were kind of like, see ya, like, don't come around here anymore. So it was cool. Like, I guess initially it hurt my feelings, but then once I got Jake, I didn't really care. Interestingly enough, I still don't fit in super well with girl groups. And I mean, now they're mom groups, not that the moms are mean. I just always feel a little disconnected. So I don't know. It's probably related to that time in my life. I just don't super care anymore. <laughs> and they don't go, don't, don't get me wrong. I have some really good mom friends, but just like your typical generic mom groups, I'm always kind of like, Hmm, I still feel like the weirdo horse girl. That feeling has never gone away. Anyway. So with Jake, my sway back old horse also came 4-H and 4-H was magical. And I am a huge proponent of 4-H. 4-H changed my life. 4-H, you know, I wasn't in sports and I wasn't into the typical teenage girl stuff. So 4-H was my thing. It was like my everything. And I poured myself into it. You know, you might recall that note about my obsessive nature. I applied that to 4-H. I did all the things, all the horse 4-H, everything I could do. I was on horse judging, horse bowl. I did presentation competitions. I went to state and nationals. I volunteered. I was a team leader. I was club president, but it was like, that's where I started to really blossom. And that's where I started to realize that, hey, I didn't have to be shy and mousy. Like I could actually be bold and doing like those presentation contests taught me I could speak in public and I didn't have to be nervous. And I would still be shy outside of the competition. But when I got on stage, I could own it and I did really well. So 4-H was magical. And one of the things that came along with 4-H is I've met a very special 4-H leader. And she was someone who had been born and bred on a ranch. And at that point in time, I'd never really been around someone who was a true cowgirl or a true rancher. And so I was completely enamored with her and her husband. And I'm so thankful because they saw my need. I think they saw I needed a, some good role models and they let me just basically live at their house <laughs> for years and as much as I could possibly get up there, they were about 30 minutes away from my home. I did everything that they could ever want me to do. Like usually just the kind of the crappy work, cleaning the pins and watering and weeding, but I didn't care because it was like they had a legit operation and I could be a part of it. And I would muck their pins and they taught me how to drive a tractor and how to work with young horses. They even let me dabble with roping at their brandings. And I was absolutely horrible at it, but it was everything to me. Um, now, interestingly enough, now I didn't actually think of this till many years later, 
This woman also had a brown Swiss milk cow and a garden. And she also canned. Now, at that point in time, I had no interest in any of those things. Like, I'd be like, oh, you have a milk cow. Cool. Like, I wasn't opposed to them or canning, but I just didn't really care. I just wanted to be with the horses, doing the horse things. And it wasn't until just a couple of years ago when I thought, I'm like, oh my gosh, she had a a brown Swiss. And I ended up getting a brown Swiss and she was into canning and now I'm canning. And it wasn't that I think she had a direct impact on me becoming a part of the homestead lifestyle, but I think subconsciously she did. And it's not like I went and bought our brown Swiss because I knew she had one at that point. It just kind of happened, but I think it was like deep in my psyche. <laughs> anyway, it was just kind of a fun little uh, revelation. But life was was feeling good. Like I had an identity. I had a horse. I had lots of opportunities in 4-H. I was working multiple jobs. I would babysit. I would clean stalls at a local stables in the evenings. And I also started working at Jiffy Lube, believe it or not, the shy little homeschool girl. Um with a bunch of college guys at Jiffy Lou, but it ended up being a blast. So I was working jobs, I was doing great. And then I realized, crud, I'm going to turn 18 soon. And I have to figure out what I'm going to do next. And I was just utterly panicked at the idea. And so my mom, you know, being the good homeschool mom that she was, she, we did different, um, what should you be when you grow up sort of tests. And she took me to talk to different advisors at the local university because University of Idaho was in my hometown. And we talked about things and they'd go, what are you passionate about? And I'm like, horses. And they're like, well, we don't really have horse programs here, but maybe you should look into agriculture. And so they tried to, you know, show me how I could be in agricultural business majors or I could do, be an ag loan officer. I remember one of them told me and I was like, yeah, I mean, I guess that's okay. But like, I just knew it wasn't, it just didn't feel right for me. So long story short, I heard about a little college in Wyoming. It was a community college, you know, nothing super special other than it had a horse program. And at at that, my, my ears pricked up and I was like, yes, oh, you can go to college and do horses at the same time. Sign me up. So once I heard that that existed, I was like, I don't care how far away it is, I'm going. So we applied to the college. They, they said I looked promising. You had to go for an interview. So my dad and I drove down one February in the snow and the ice. And I interviewed, the interview was not only like an actual sit down and talking interview, you actually had to ride a horse in front of the instructors. (laughs) Awesome. So I did my horse interview. I did my speaking interview and I got accepted into this program. Started packing my little bags. And this This was the first time that I got to experience the sensation of people not liking it when you make a big push forward in your life. And it was such an odd experience. And I remember going back to my mom and talking about it because here I was, I knew deep in my gut that I was supposed to do this. Like, I sometimes call it an out-of-body experience because I still, I absolutely believe there was a divine hand in getting me to Wyoming because it doesn't make sense otherwise. I was the weird, shy girl who wasn't super confident, 
who didn't really like people and, you know, was pretty comfortable being at home. And somehow I was gung ho to move 1200 miles away from anyone and anything I'd ever known to go ride Colts in Wyoming. Like it was, it was a God thing, plain and simple. Um, and I knew in my gut at that point, I couldn't verbalize all of those things yet, but I knew I was supposed to do it. But when I would tell people, even mentors or people I considered friends, they tried to discourage me from doing it. And that was the first time my, my young little naive self, I'm like, why is this happening? Why can't they see that I'm supposed to do this, that I know I'm supposed to do this? Why can't they support me? But it was good, right? Because that, that pushback we get, that resistance we get isn't always bad. And it just can help us be more clear. And I learned right then and there to listen to my gut and to listen to my intuition and to stop outsourcing what I should be doing. So that was, that was a good thing. Um, but it was quite interesting to experience that for the first time. And I've experienced it many, many times since it's definitely a part of human nature. Anyway, I packed up my stuff said goodbye, left my old horse, Jake, at home, and we loaded up my F-150. Side note, it was a two-wheel drive. I still don't know why we did that. Well, I do know. It was cheaper than dirt, (laughs) and it was all I could afford. But like sending your your kid to college in Wyoming with a two-wheel drive truck, hindsight, not a great idea. I didn't die. Like I didn't crash it and I drove some nasty roads on that thing. And I got really good at learning how to handle a rear wheel drive vehicle on the snow, but yeah, not great. Anyway, we drove my truck down and then my mom and dad drove their car and we drove all the way to Wyoming. Everything I had loaded up in the vehicles and I'll never forget the day. We, they helped me unload the dorms. We, you know, met my instructors and my advisor and they got me all signed up. And then came this moment when they had to leave. They had to go back to Idaho. My dorm room was set up and I stood there in the parking lot and they said goodbye. And there I was, the shy, awkward homeschool girl who didn't really have any friends (laughs) standing alone in a parking lot in Wyoming, not knowing a soul. And that's where I'm going to end this episode today. We have to come back to hear the rest of this story. So my takeaway from this part of my journey for you is that if you can't quite get to where you want to be yet, find a mentor and stay close to them. So when I was a teenager, I couldn't move to the country. Like that was outside of my control. I mean, I guess, I don't know. I, yeah. Yeah. 15 year olds can't buy land. I mean, maybe they can, but that was not possible for me. And I did everything I could. Like I begged and pleaded my parents. I even would find them houses to go look at. I remember one time I thought it was the most perfect place. It had a pond and a barn and an old farmhouse. And I was like, we have got to get this place. And I convinced them to go look at it with a realtor. And they were like, "Mm, no. And that just like broke my heart. But I did everything I could within my power, thinking outside the box and everything to get to that thing I knew I wanted to get to, but it wasn't the right time. It wasn't the time. 
Um, so the next best thing that helped me so much was getting close to mentors who could help me be immersed in what I wanted to do. And that is why I still encourage you guys to do the same thing. If you are wanting to homestead, if you are wanting to buy land and build a property out, but you can't do that at this point in time, maybe your spouse is in the military or you are committed to a job at this point in time, or health problems are preventing you from doing it that right now, that's all right. Just find ways to get yourself close to the lifestyle and don't wait, right? I think I would have been, it would have been a detriment to me if I had said, you know, I'm not going to start trying to shadow anyone or learn from anyone or understand these skills until I have my own property. That would have definitely set me back. But just putting myself out there, I was usually a little uncomfortable because I didn't know what I was doing. And sometimes I made a fool out of myself. But putting myself out there as a student and as a beginner and saying, hey, I'm looking for a mentor to help me and to guide me and to give me some um, potential experiences to you know, put on my resume, if you will, that made a huge difference for me. So whatever you may feel driven towards homesteading or horses or whatever else it may be, find those mentors who can help guide you, even if your circumstances aren't perfect quite yet. Okay, that's all I have for you today. In the next episode, I'm going to talk about um, how a scared little homeschool girl navigated college for the first time, which was interesting. So we'll get into that later. But thanks for listening to this one. Um, I hope it was interesting. and I hope it was helpful to you. I'd love to hear any revelations you had. Feel free to connect with me over on Instagram, The Prairie Homestead, um, or Facebook. And we'll talk more soon, friends. Take care. Happy homesteading.